Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two of my chat with Rachel Midori. If you haven't checked out last week, then make sure you go check out part one because in part one of the chat, myself and Rachel talk about all of the things Rachel has gotten up to aside from her previous career in the porn industry. We speak about her time as a wine sommelier, how her tattoos have affected certain things, her views on psychedelic and cannabis-based medicine, the definition of queer, lots of, like a wide spectrum of things. And then in part two of the chat, the conversation is primarily about porn. Because Rachel has had time in the porn industry and for quite an extended period of time for a porn star i believe she says about five years she answers a lot of questions that i had just because there's certain questions that i've just had for a while about porn and rachel was kind enough to let me ask her honest questions and she answered them as best she could so it's a really interesting look into the porn industry from someone who's actually been in that realm uh so just a couple of the conversations we speak about how it's different having sex on camera for porn to sort of normal sex sexual ego some judgments people get from being in said porn industry and a few other bits and pieces like that and then the conversation generally ends with rachel talking about what she's doing for the future now, this was a really, really fun chat. I do really say to go back, check out part one, because I want to make sure that this conversation shows that there's a lot more to Rachel than just her previous career in porn. That is only a small part of her individuality. And she's just, she's worn so many hats. And as you could tell from part one, she is so intelligent in so many ways that if one just looked at her through the lens of being an ex-porn star, you wouldn't understand those levels. So I just want to throw that out there just to make sure that anyone is listening listens to both parts so you get a good understanding of who Rachel is as a person and when you get to you know hear all these questions about porn in the second part so really hope you guys enjoy it there's not going to be any promo for me or anything today um, I've got links in the description to Rachel's social media handles as well as her website her blog and she's got a podcast coming out called Trauma Sauna which will be out in April 2021 so I'll make sure to post about that on social media and I'll, I imagine I'll talk about it on the podcast at some point but you know make sure you send Rachel Midori lots of love on social media especially after listening to this episode and that's about it from me, guys. I'll be back at the end of mine and Rachel's conversation to give you some information of what's coming up next and a few other bits and pieces here and there, as well as my Patreon and that sort of stuff too. So really appreciate you guys giving my show a go, and I'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. If you cheat on me with a woman, there is no way. If you cheat on me with Kerry, she's going to make you come like no one ever has. There's no way I can compete with that. Is that the true, is that the actual, is that is that actually true out of interest? Or? So there's a difference here. I personally, I think they're better for different reasons. I can't say one is better or the other because the reasons are so different. Hmm. Like there's a very physical domineering kind of carnal thing when it comes to me with men and that's usually like a short lasting thing that I really need emotionally they're just I don't want to say they're dumb they're just I haven't met one yet that is like there with me Mm -hmm. mentally spiritually um mostly mentally um but women in bed is such an encapsulating experience it's not just this carnal act it's encapsulating I'm thinking about her I'm like it's very like mental physical and spiritual so it hits all three not to mention they actually know what they're doing because they own they have the same you know infrastructure here no fumbling around trying to find the right spot they already know where it is they, they know what they're doing and it just seems like they care more like they understand you know what foreplay is they understand what feels good they understand that we're not just like you know, a mowing lawn that you crank open. Like it's very, it's much more sensual, but also depending on your partner, it can also be super fun and fast and carnal like that. So I guess, yeah, technically women are better, but I couldn't tell you that I would ever choose one or the other. I'll just always have both. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause I've got, um, I've got a lot of friends. In fact, many, many of my female friends and every woman I've ever dated except Megan have been either uh, bi or pan. So when I have spoken to them about this and I'm always intrigued by it, one of the funny things about me is most of my girlfriends had kissed more women than I have. So, you know, <laughs> and in that sort of realm, I have asked them sometimes and they do often say it's, it's a very different thing. And the way I kind of view sex in itself is that it's a language, it has its own culture to it. It has its own rules in many different ways. And I found that as an individual, like I've, I've only been sexually active for 10 years. How do I? Yeah. Almost, 
what day is it? 17th of February at the moment. It's. I think it's been almost 10 years to the day because it was about a month before my 17th birthday when I lost it. So it, I've been sexually active for about 10 years. Fun facts. I've never said that on the podcast before, but you get that. Bizarre. Got it down to the day. Near enough. Yeah. It's, it's so important. Um, and I was terrible then as well. You know, it was... And what I've learned from then, I've primarily been in uh, relationships. I've I've had some time in between and things, and I've I've had it where you know I've uh, been sleeping. I say in air quotes sleeping around, but it's more so sleeping with like two or three different people frequently. Um, but like in regards to that, when I started out, I used to think oh, I'm pretty good, but I wasn't. I was fucking useless. And now I'm like I more describe myself as pretty competent as like a way of, and. I've just kind of view it more as a language as I've gotten older because you just understand more things. There's more, you know, in air quotes, words or rules or things. When you do this thing, sometimes it's good to follow up with this thing, you know. And I just wonder what your sort of two cents on that sort of idea is. What do you mean my two cents on that idea is? Yeah, like with sex being a language or like from your experience in that way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of, okay, so like dancing is a language. Mm, exactly. It's very, yeah. it's very similar to dancing. You just don't have clothes on. Um, so, I mean, it has a lot to do with, so like where sex starts for me is consent. Well, obviously like there's flirting and stuff like that. Um, but then there's consent. Like I'm talking to this girl right now and Every time I'm going to send something, I'm like, do I have consent to send this? Like, it's very, that's where the language starts because now I'm creating this safety where we can have this conversation. Um, and so then I think you obviously learn what they like and what you like, and then you formulate this language and it's always different. You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter depend or if you're with a man or a woman or a non-binary, um, NB baby, um, it doesn't really matter because it's always a language and you just have to be understanding of what the other person wants and doesn't want. And it should never be compromised. Like that's why it's good when you find good sex. It's like the perfect language to each other. And in, in that realm, there's a few questions I've got, which are basically just, I've always wanted to know the answers to these questions. So I'm sorry if you've been asked them lots of times and if they're bland, but with, with porn, is it the stereotype is that it's not enjoyable, but, the reason you entered the realm of porn wasn't because necessarily you what you didn't want the money you didn't you weren't the stereotype being you know, desperate or anything like that you chose to go into there because you were interested by the culture so in in that realm first of all do you find that when you're having sex in porn is it quite a very different to in air quotes normal sex because that sounds like a weird thing but like if you had sex with a stranger like a one night stand obviously there's a camera and other stuff but like is the act of it that different is the way I'm kind of scrambling around? It's different, but it's still erotic in its own way, which is very strange. So, I mean, like when you're performing, you are actually performing like 30 minute videos that you see online take eight hours to shoot. I'm not there for a little bit with one person and one camera and like doing everything like that. Like I get there eight in the morning, I get in hair and makeup. Like it's a whole fucking production. There's a bunch of light guys, a bunch of camera guys, a bunch of wardrobe people. Um, you know, sometimes you bring your own wardrobe and it's a huge production. And then, you know, there's a small pool of perf performers when you get to be um, a little, a little better of a performer. Like I did when I became a speaker girl, I started to work with like similar male performers. So it's always fun when you get a male performer that you've worked with before and you know, if they're like awesome and you have good chemistry, but your goal between the two of you is to create that chemistry and do that dance. Obviously do it a little crazier than normal people and put out 120% instead of hundred percent. You know, you're doing weird angles that no normal human being does, but that's just for the shock value and the fact you're creating a production. But it still feels good, and it's still kind of romantic because you two are manufacturing this chemistry to make this feel good for the both of you and look good for other people to appreciate. And then, of course, regular sex is that chemistry already existing. So it's very much easy to separate that job of creating chemistry and creating sex and real sex and what it felt like. And yes, I did get into it for the culture. I feel like, you know, going to school and figuring out what you're going to do for the rest of your life is the appropriate path for some people, but I always want to do different things. You know, I always wanted to, um, 
be a bartender in New York City and figure my way out and do that. I, that's what I did after I was homeless. And then I was like, I'm going to, you know, make my way and be successful in the restaurant industry. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to go do porn for the culture in my early 20s when that's where I'm supposed to be living my best life. And then I went back and, you know, went to a little more prestigious and a little more, you know, knowledge driven path, which was wine. So I think it's important for everybody to always be comfortable with having a different era, you know, every few years, unless you've found something you want to do the rest of your life. It's just kind mm -hmm. of awkward when it's like, sometimes it's like hang gliding and sometimes it's, it's porn. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you, do you find that people, uh, judge you due to you having a past basically the weird thing is is that because people could go online and find videos of you having sex and see parts of you that in this as a society especially are either taboo or you just don't really see of, of in air quotes normal people if you know what i mean like everyday people you meet you don't you can't access uh, videos and pictures of them naked do you find that people treat you differently when because of that sort of aspect Yes. So people do treat me differently. Um, or I perceive they've treated me differently. That was closer to when I first retired. Um, just cause people were like, you're a dumb porn star. Like, what are you going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, okay. Um, and then when I started studying wine, I would be very cautious about how I introduced myself or like what I told people I used to do for a living. And I essentially kept very quiet about like, and it was different moving from New York to LA. If I try to get a job in LA, it'd be a little more difficult. Um, I think the, the, just the huge divide between New York and LA made a little bit of a difference. Um, but I mean, I was still recognized and, you know, there was a moment where I, my boss, or there was a moment where I was turned away for a job and I knew it was because I was honest with them. I had a four or five year gap in my resume and, I was interviewing at this very, very, very prestigious restaurant and they asked me what I did in that four or five year gap. And I told them the truth because I didn't want to lie to them. Um, and they denied me the job. And I think that's why, because I was overqualified for it. Um, so yeah, I got judged in certain ways. And then I got my job where I work now and the owner is progressive and amazing and understanding. He's part of the LGBTQ community um and it's he's just really great and he's really supportive and he knew about it when he hired me and he doesn't have a problem with it and it's just it's really progressive and supportive and you know I couldn't couldn't be happier but yeah I get judged for it my whole family does my sisters get bothered at school you know it affected my parents and how people at church you know interacted with them but I would not take back my decision I'm proud of what I did because I wanted to do it and nothing else stopped me Hmm. Yeah, it is one of those things that I've thought about, which is how it's it's completely unfair and hypocritical because it's literally like you know the majority, the majority of men in the Western world watch porn. Like that's just a given. That's just how it's foreseen. But as soon as they know someone who's been in porn, or if they ever said you know about you know that the terms always, would you let your daughter do that, or those sorts of weird sort of thought. Um, what's the word it was like a, a caveat and just kind of trying to almost a thought trap of like yeah. trying to yeah trying to get that sort of way with people so i'm like it's so bizarre to me that so many men consume porn but then as soon as they meet someone who's involved with it they have some sort of weird problem with them well the problem is now they are being confronted with the fact that their male fantasies have real connections to real people you know so you've had this fantasy about this woman and or whether it be that specific woman, but you have this fantasy about these women that do these things. And sometimes they're, you know, societally degrading things. Sometimes they're very extreme bodily things. And now men, when they're met with one of us, whether they are fans of us and are very kind to us, which most of them are, or if they are rude and judgmental, it's because they now have a physical representation of something they feel ashamed for. Because most men feel, most people feel ashamed for watching porn when they, you know, they shouldn't, obviously, unless it's like horrendous porn that normal human beings don't watch, you know? Um, so I think that's just men having a physical representation of something that they are insecure about. That's the whole thing with OnlyFans. You know, everyone is fine with OnlyFans until like their best friend or their girlfriend or 
you know, their sister gets it. And then they're like, you're a whore, you're a whore. When in reality, they were so supportive of other women. Like this comes from the woman's side too. All women should be supporting all sex work and all forms of work because work is work. And men just have a problem with us regaining any sort of sexuality and power over sexuality. God forbid we gain our own sexuality, our own power, plus our own money. Like that's the trifecta they're terrified of. So it's just like a whole a whole mess to be a hoe when all we just want to be is hoes with bags. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. It, it is Sex is one of those weirdest things that it's just with the culture that there's so many strange taboos and strange sort of aspects of sex that people hate talking about or hate seeing or hate this, or hate that. And it's like people wouldn't exist without it. It's always baffling to me that so many people are so closed off about that aspect of themselves you know and I'm, I'm quite open with those sorts of things like i'm not going to go around and tell everyone what my sexual preferences are but like if people ask me i'm not going to be ashamed of it or kind of hide away from it it's just it's part of who i am the only dif- difference is like because i'm in a you know because i'm with megan i don't talk about the details of what involves her because that's not anyone else's business that's not mine to tell but one thing that i think about is the the sexual ego and i'd be intrigued to know what your sort of thoughts on that are which is sort of you know when you for lack of a better word, when you get into the sort of sexual mood and you want, when you get horny, when you want to have sex, there's a, a, a different version, I find almost, of oneself that kind of takes charge in a way. You know, you're not disgusted by as many things. I mean, I'm sure many guys listening to this will know this thing of where the stereotype guy watches porn, it gets progressively more and more, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Let's, it wouldn't be disgusting because that makes it sound extreme. Yeah, I think that's probably the closest thing. But like you get it and it goes from, you know, soft core to harder and harder. And then you finish and then you know, your guy just sat there with your dick in your hand looking at the screen and you're like, this is actually quite gross. And like there's that weird line which happens to almost every guy who's listening to this is probably laughing. And if they're listening, oh, listening to their partners, they're not agreeing. Don't worry. I got to clear my search history when I get embarrassed sometimes and I, don't, and I live alone. So like... <laughs> exactly so do do you feel that that's uh because of someone who's explored your own sexuality uh probably a lot more than many other people what do you think of sort of do for you does it does it do you think it's like a switch almost it's it's more of a gradual switch but what's your thoughts on that i mean my opinion especially from obviously doing so much work and doing so many scenes and also doing very extreme things and also you know the different caliber of scenes I was able to do from like soft core to like hardcore and stuff. Um, I do think something takes over. I think something very carnal, something very deep rooted in our evolution that kept us surviving for, you know, so long. Um, I think that it, it there is the switch. Cause you know, sometimes when you're really getting on with someone and you love them, like you say some weird shit or you do some weird shit and you don't know why you do it. And you go back and you're like, I don't know why I said that. And like, I'll oh, fuck you so good. You'll make me pancakes in the morning. And then I'll be like, slap on that butter. Like you'll say some weird shit. And you know, you don't know why you said it, but I think it's just this beautiful carnal thing that you've really let go, you know, not of being a human, and not of humanity but you're so enthralled in this ecstasy that you know there's a little primal switch in your brain that just lets you let go for a minute and fully enjoy everything and like yeah when you're watching porn you go down that rabbit hole and you're like okay like nice stuff and then you're like oh that looks a little illegal and you're like oh that's definitely illegal in real life you know and like i've made really fucked up scenes you know for situations like that and there's a two-sided coin. There's people who are really abusive that enjoy those things and people who just enjoy them because they go through a rabbit hole, you know, down of porn. You know, I'm not responsible for either of those people. I'm responsible for making something, you know? Um, so yeah, I think there's this carnal switch, you know, you do some, you do some weird stuff sometimes. And I did, I had that experience. That's like this, especially when you had this chemistry with a male or female performer on set and that switch both flicked for both of you, y'all are going off the rails. The directors are happy. The photographers are like, what are these bitches doing? And like, you really just get into it. And that happens obviously with people that you're with, you know, I've been single for a little while, so I don't remember what that's like, but I'll get there soon. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose in like sort of lockdown and the, you know, the passive apocalypse that yeah, we're in as well. The panorama is over. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, it's one of those things that it, 
I just don't think enough people really talk about sex in culture or in our general society. It, it's such a it's such a big thing, and I just don't understand why more people don't talk about it. Do you, do you have an idea as to why people are so scared to talk about that? I mean, I'm not sure what it's like in the UK. I mean, I remember um, when I went to Paris for a stint for Paris Fashion Week. I went into a regular like store, you know, for water and food or like a corner store. And they had magazines, like fashion magazines, and some of them had naked ladies on the front. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, they're not afraid, like, of naked people. And, like, that would be absolutely illegal and uncalled for, like, in America. And also when it came to sex ed, like, sex ed didn't really teach you about sex. It just taught you, like, what a period was. It barely taught you that. I don't know. I was signed out of it. You have parents and generations who don't teach you about what it really is, you know, and it's just people don't want to talk about it for some reason. I mean, in America, it comes down to like Puritan roots and, you know, those who wiped out everyone that was here before us. Um, unfortunately, they were had these Puritan roots and it's mostly rooted in religion and it's also rooted in misogyny. It's also rooted, you know, in racism, you know, people not wanting to talk about the sexuality of um, everybody and every race. And it's just, it's really upsetting because the less you talk about it, the less you get to have really fun experiences with your partner and like talk about it and be open about it or talk about it, you know, with some friends or because it's such a normal thing. But there's also a dangerous aspect to it. You know, when you have parents not talking to their children about how to fuck and how babies are made, you know, then you have situations where maybe that girl will be in a situation where that's happening and she doesn't know what's happening. You know, unfortunately that happened to me when I was 14. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what sex was. And unfortunately I lost my virginity against my will, you know? So it's not cool because everyone wants to talk about fucking. It's, you know, fun because everyone wants to talk about fucking. It's educational because everyone wants to talk about fucking, but it's important because every generation has to know that exists and the, you know, how important it is to you and how sacred and special it is to you, to you for your body or else, you know, young boys and girls will go through certain situations like that. So I don't know what it is besides those, you know, long grown, you know, Puritan values and the church and religion and all that bullshit. Um, I think that has a lot and mostly what to do with it along with misogyny. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that with one of the weirdest things I've kind of noticed, uh, or say, noticed recently about porn, which goes to show what I've been up to, is that when, when it comes to it, I feel like the women in, especially in porn and stuff, they've got a, it's a weird power in, in the sense of a lot of the time is is filmed in a lot of sense for sort of a male audience, the male gaze in, in a sense. And there's a lot of the times where, the woman is, you know, roughed around and things like that. Not to say that she doesn't necessarily enjoy it, but there's that domination aspect and sometimes that humiliation aspect. I know that can go both ways, but it seems like more frequently the woman's body in porn is simultaneously, it, I think it's the objectifying stuff of it. It's like the body is kind of treasured and put up on this pedestal and it's like the most important thing uh, in the porn and all that sort of stuff. And it's worshipped in a lot of ways while the woman is simultaneously being sort of... Uh, kind of taken down if you if you know what i mean what, what i'm kind of getting at yeah um so i mean you're right in that way so like that all comes to like camera angles and everything so what do they want to look at like they want to look at the woman um that's what we're all looking at like the girls are looking even straight girls are looking at the women sorry boys we're not looking at dick they're ugly no matter what um so you're looking at the woman but yeah there is de degradation there is humiliation and there's physical degradation but and i feel like this is kind of like what everybody goes through like what all the karens go to when they want to get mad at porn so well, what about that scene where you got kidnapped and raped by your step uncle and i'm like i don't know what about that scene it paid me a good amount of money and it was a movie scene like I don't understand. Like people make actual movies about horrendous things happening and no one gets mad about that. Um, and yeah, maybe because this has a sexual aspect, but you know, that's, it's always agreed upon. You know, there are 
when you're working in a good industry and you're not in a shady place in Miami or a shady place in LA, which I'm not saying they don't exist because there are horror stories for a reason. Some women don't get treated well. Some women go with fake managers. I was very lucky that I had really responsible managers from my way to an amateur to a porn star. Um, so bad things do happen. And, you know, I've had people disrespect my boundaries on set before and I absolutely called it. And I was like, we're done. This is it. I said my safe word. I took my money and I left and I didn't even shoot. Um, so it's just all about boundaries, you know, especially when you do hardcore scenes. Like I used to work for kink in the armory, like you are beat up there. Like you are literally tortured there. So you sign all your paperwork, your yeses, your nos, what you don't. And, and then after all of that, you know, because the woman is the main thing, like you just are basically seeing all this violence happen to her and the woman likes it or else we wouldn't do it. We don't ever, I mean, the healthy people who do that industry don't do things they don't like. Um, and then they have aftercare, you know, as soon as the scene is over, they pick you up in a blanket and a robe and they like help bathe you and they get you to your food and your dinner and they get you into bed. And it's just, I don't know. It's just all acting, you know, and it's, you want to see the girl because she's the main character, but yeah, she's getting the shit beat out of her sometimes. Hmm. And I think that's a self-worth thing. If you're watching it from a female perspective, you know, you want to have your power taken away for a moment. Me, for example, like I'm a boss, like I get tired. I get tired of babysitting people all the time. I get tired of having to do so much shit all the time. Like if I watch porn, like I want to lose a sense of control to just have a sense of release for a moment. Or I watch really women empowering porn where it's like, I'm the one in control. and I'm the one taking control of the situation. So it just depends on what tickles your fancy for that evening. Mm. Wonderful, cool. So I was going to ask, out of interest, did we will get off the subject of porn soon, but I want to ask, um, did you find being in porn and things like that, did that affect your enjoyment of watching it? Now, I know that you were at that time in a relationship, but I didn't know if that affected things in, in the sexual sense. No, my ex-husband actually loved watching my porn. Um, I did not. I still don't. Um, I watched like 80s, weird, fuzzy, bad film Vintage. porn. Vintage vintage porn um because i know how it's made if i uh, the other day like if i see a house that i shot in i just completely lose my mood not because it was bad because it's just like i know how fake it is um especially when i see people i've shot with i'm like oh <laughs> it's like seeing like a teacher at the grocery store you're like you're not supposed to be here you're cool <laughs> but you're not supposed to be here um, so I just stick to vintage porn. It's totally affected it. Um, but yeah, my husband, he loved to watch my, he, he loved to watch my stuff when we were still together. Mm. Yeah. I think I, I've, I've wrestled this thought with myself before. I've, I've never been in the position where anyone who is in, uh, the adult film industry or an OnlyFans or anything like that. I've never been with anyone who's had that sort of stuff out there in that realm. I've had previous girlfriends have had like there was one that had like a website up and they had naked pictures of themselves on there to a degree. At that point, I was, it was when I was a bit younger and I wasn't overly happy about that, but it just made me uncomfortable be, if people being able to get it so easily and then being able to see uh, this is kind of you know, perceiving what was in air quotes mine in a sense, which I think is not the best, not the most healthy behavior, but like that sense of you're in a relationship with me. I should be the only one to see you naked. But I've thought about like, if I met a girl, like, yeah, Megan um, is perfect for me. She's the best. She doesn't have, to my knowledge, any videos of herself online naked or any porn or anything like that. But like, if I met her and she was in that realm, I would presume that her personality and stuff, which is in my eyes perfect for me, that would shine through and it would, you know, sort of overcome that aspect of of it. Because I feel like if that was someone's job and that was someone's career and I started dating someone who was in that realm, then it would be like, well, I'm not going to make them quit their job. So I would have to kind of deal with it. But if it was, if Megan wanted to start doing it now, I think that would be a slightly different sort of discussion. So I wonder with you, for your relationships going forward, like how do you view that if you're going to be with anyone, if they had videos online, like what, what's your, I know it's slightly different, but like what, what's your kind of stance? I don't know. It's always just weird. So like when I had told my ex-husband when I wanted to start, I was just like, we don't need the money. I want to do this. I think it'll be fun. Um, and he was like, I need you to promise me it'll always stay at work and it'll never come home. And for four to five years, I never once got like another talents number. I didn't like do anything like that. I didn't hang out with the talent. I went to work and I came home and it was literally just a job, you know, 
it did start to affect us like a little bit. Like sometimes he would get a little jealous or a little upset, but we would have like a real discussion about it. We would trip. We would really talk about it like with our minds and our hearts open. And it really kind of worked out. Um, but it's just a weird way to go. Cause it's kind of like, okay, like I love you and you're, you're mine. So like, why does everyone else get to see you? Um, and I understand that feeling cause that's a very human and normal feeling and it's not for everybody. Um, but when it comes for me, when it comes for like videos and photos and things like that, like, or even physical objects, like socks, like it doesn't, it's so irrelevant for someone to see me naked than for someone to actually have me naked, you know? So I think that's just my thing where it's kind of like, but it's true because you have relationships. So it's like, okay, well that's mine. But to the extent of what is it yours, it's not really yours, Mm. you know? It's not really anyone's. That wouldn't be my boyfriend or my girlfriend. Like that's my partner, but everything about their body, like they've got full, whatever they want to do with it. But it's always nice and healthy to have a conversation about it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. basically just comes down to communication and communication and compromise are pretty much the only way to have a existing relationship, whether you be a porn star or a sandwich artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, communication is key for everything like that. Like whenever whenever relationships, not every time when they fail, obviously, but like a lot of the time when you see relationships that do fail, it is because at one point there's been some sort of uh, issue with communication and that's what's eventually caused uh, the downfall in, in that realm. And so I also want to ask, uh, this will, be, I, I think this should be my last question regarding porn and things, but like with the women, you said, you know, we, uh, with the talent, you didn't take their numbers, that sort of thing. But did you make any sort of friends, men or women, or even people who weren't porn actors, people on the rest of the set? Like, did you become friends of anyone like in the work? Yeah. I mean, I made friends, I made actual friends with probably two or three performers, like where I would hang out with them. I had spent holidays with them. I lived with one of them. She was my best friend and my roommate. Um, And then like, you would know the directors and you would hang out with them. You would know your manager and hang out with them. I wasn't really big into being friends with all the girls. Like some of them were pretty cool, but as you can imagine, like lots of money, lots of hot girls, like it's just like high school over again. And I would just kind of back off. But when I found people that I really vibed with, I vibed with them. Um, but I met cool people like skateboarders, like rappers, like, and I never really made friends, but it was kind of just like a very fast, very exciting early twenties era for me. You know, I don't remember a whole lot of it. I just remember it being fun and I don't have really a lot of friends or any friends from back then. Um, maybe one or two that I could reach out to, but besides that, it was just a hell of a ride. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine it would be. You know, I think a lot of guys, they, they like to think that they would want to be in porn because, you know, when you see it from a guy's perspective, it's like, oh, great, I just get to, you know, essentially fuck on camera loads of attractive women. It's like, I. it's one of those things where, not just from this conversation, but I've thought before, it's like, would it take away for me as an individual from my enjoyment of, of sex itself? Like, would you... Th- <laughs> you it, it did for you, do you say? Not for me, for guy. I'm different. I can slap lube on and do whatever I want. Like you guys, when you perform, like it's it's you have to keep like that's how the the great the best performers are the best performers because they can they have the highest stamina. They have the like they're able to stay hard the longest. Like they are able to. It's like okay, the girl run off to hair and makeup and wardrobe. Come back. He needs to be ready to go. Script ready, and then like they're ready. Like it's very difficult for men. That's why, you know, really special and really talented high booked male performers are given to the scenes with some of the high booked female performers because that'll be great chemistry. You know, you wouldn't take like a C grade actor and put him with an A grade actor unless they had potential. Um, but it's fine. Like I've been on set with newbies and like guys who couldn't like perform and you just tell them that it's fine. And like, you don't embarrass them and you just get through the scene and we see how good we can make it. You know, just some people aren't cut out for it. Mm, yeah. I mean, so moving on from that sort of um, area of things, um, I want to ask you, you mentioned about going sort of Spain and things out of interest. What, what is it about Spain? Is it just because it's far away from America or is it, is there some, have you been traveling much or anything like that? 
No, so I did a lot of traveling before the pandemic, like Bolivia and um, Thailand and Peru and stuff. But um, no, Spain, I was looking into internships for more wine education because now that I have like the restaurant side, I'd like to actually maybe produce or work on a vineyard or own a vineyard or some sort. Um, so I found a internship and I put in the places I want to go. I wanted to go to South Africa, New Zealand, um, I wanted to go to Japan for sake and I wanted to go to Spain, France, obviously, because it's wine. And I got my application back and I got admitted to Spain. So basically I would go to Spain for a month. I'd go to Spanish school to become fluent. Um, I would live with a host family during that month. So I would get better at the language and then they would give me apartment and I would work on a vineyard in Valencia for a year. Wow. But I can't do that for another two years. One, because my leg is broken, and two, because it costs twelve thousand dollars. Wow, I see that. That is a lot. So, do you like sort of from there? Do you like? Obviously, you've said you've had like almost phases in in a sense of your sort of life and things. Do you have an idea for the next few phases? Few phases. I don't know. You know, after Spain is like my next one for sure. Like that's. That's going to be something life-changing. I haven't wanted to live here for a very long time. And I think I've kind of done what I needed to do here. I want to make sure all my debts are paid. I want to make sure everything's taken care of. And I just want to pack up and go to Spain. So Spain will definitely be my next phase. Job-wise, I don't know. You know, maybe I'll work on a vineyard or maybe I'll work at a pastry shop. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just... I just go with the flow. <laughs> the flow is going to Spain, so. Yeah, why Why not? You know, you've only got, I've said before, like one of the things is like what I'd love to happen when one dies. I mean, it'd be nice if, you know, if heaven exists or if there's some sort of next uh, dimension of reality that one sort of goes into in their consciousness. I don't know. I don't think that is the case, unfortunately, but it'd be nice if it was. But like what would be really cool would be if at the end of your life, the what happens is you you come out of your life and you see this like a big black abyss but there's screens everywhere and you just basically get to see each screen is like it's more this is more sort of a visual thing but you'd, you'd have the memory of whatever's showing on the screen and each screen would be your entire life but what it would be is each time you get to that point you get to see everything that you did for that life have all the other lives that you've kind of led and then you get to go back to your birth but you get to change like tweak a little thing just like about like one small thing like okay you know when i was in college i didn't i could have gone to the army and i decided not to well let's just tweak that so everything up to that point in my life is basically the same and then when i get to that point for some weird reason i just am more inclined to go that way than this way and then like cause I, there's so many choices in my life where you know you do something small inception yeah well basically <laughs> you got a million dollar movie idea right there that sounds really cool it would just be an intriguing thing. And the only time, like you'd live your life and you'd not remember any of it. But then right at the very end, when you're in that weird realm, then you'd remember everything. And I just think, I would maybe that is existence, who knows. But like, I would love to be, like the biggest regret I have about dying in a lot of ways is not being able to see where humanity goes, but also not knowing all the possibilities I could have gone on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. You know, I, I, I resonate more with the not understanding where humanity goes because I want to know not just humanity. Like I want to know where my little sisters go. Like I want to know where my friends go. I want to know where my fucking dogs go. Like I want to know where we make it on climate change. I want to know, you know, how many barriers we break down between police brutality and racism. Like I want to see where the coronavirus vaccine goes, you know, even down to the most recent thing. Like I want to see what progresses, you know, and that used to make me really afraid of death. Cause I was just like, okay, I got to hang on. Like, I got to know what the fuck's going to happen. And I don't know when that dissipated. Um, I think it, the suicide attempts that I've been through ever since I was very little, like have just made death such a real part of my life. And it's so I can't ever forget about it. I'm always thinking about it. So I'm never afraid of what I missed out on. Not anymore. Like I try, even when it comes to simple things, like I'm not one of those people that's on Instagram and like going hiking every day and taking beautiful sunset pictures, like all the power to the people who are doing that. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to sit down and get stoned and watch midnight gospel. Like, <laughs> but, um, you know, 
I don't, if I, if, if a tree fell on me right now, which it could because there's a storm and I live in the woods where I'm staying in the woods, you know, if a tree fell on me and killed me right now and I like got to stand here and have a conversation with someone, like I had 10 more extra minutes, live minutes. And I don't really think I would regret anything because as long as I do the best I can and I don't, you know, I'm not so fucking hard on myself, then there's really no reason regretting anything. Also, I've done a lot of drugs. So that sounds like some like happy, hippy dippy spiritual shit. No, I have just almost died and done a lot of drugs. So I do not recommend. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, that's excellent. I mean, there's, there's so many other sort of aspects I think we could sort of uh, cover because you've got such a wide array of sort of areas in which you know so much about but so i feel like we'll come to nearing the end we'll start to wrap things up a little bit but i, I want to ask sort of beforehand is there any topic or any question or anything you just generally want to just for either me to ask you or for you to just say if there's anything we haven't sort of touched upon all i'm gonna say is to whoever's listening that friend who you thought to text or that person who's been acting kind of down or that friend you haven't heard of in a while or hasn't like texted you, you should text them and see how they're doing and just send them emoji or like send them some Uber eats tacos or something. Um, Cause you never really know how sweet a gesture can really change somebody's life. So text that friend you haven't texted in a while, but not your ex. Don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah uh, well i think from another podcast that you did um which was the um her unsettled mind and it was from 2019 and in that i think one of the things that you said was uh, about being present with people when they're suffering with mental illness and things is the one of the best things you can do is to basically be present with them um which i thought was very powerful yeah and that's the thing it's kind of like my ex-husband had done this really well um, is when I was having a really bad episode or was having really bad anxiety. It was very much about just being present with them, you know, and just not telling them how to get better not telling them how to not be depressed, not being like, okay, well get out of bed and you have to do this and you have to do this. Just being there. That's all you need. Just like to know that you're not alone is the, is the biggest thing, you know, I would point out certain when it gets really bad, I have to point out physical things that I see because I start to lose touch with reality and disassociate. So you just have to be present. And like, I try my best to like keep in touch with people. Obviously we have lives, we get busy. I completely, completely ghost my friends for weeks at a time, usually because I'm laying in bed and I can't move. Um, but I always try and be present with the people, especially the ones that I know are struggling a little more or at least i get the feeling they're struggling a little more send an extra text message or a funny gift for call them mm, yeah i mean a, a small people underestimate the small details in life not only small gestures in like keeping relationships going both romantic relationships and friendships and things but also just small gestures can have massive ripple effects that are underestimated and you know manners cost nothing and just checking up on someone sending them a, a nice message just thinking hmm, maybe i should do this if you just do that small thing you waste what f a few seconds of your life but as you say it can really make a difference to other people yeah definitely wonderful i mean you've been an absolute incredible guest uh, rachel i really appreciate you taking your time to speak of me and things uh, if is there anywhere sort of uh you want people to be able to find you i know you've got like a website and a twitter and that sort of jazz if you want to tell people where they can find you and sort of final words and we can wrap up um yeah i mean i have all the social media so instagram twitter tiktok um it's all at Rachel Midori. So it's R-A-C-H-A-E-L-M-A-D-O-R-I and then www.rachelmidori.com. And that's got more info and my blog and everything. Also, I'm writing a book and hopefully it'll be out in the next year. Well, when you write that book, then you have an open invitation to come back on the show and then you can promote your book and we can talk about more crazy things. And maybe yeah. if you're lucky, I'll bring Megan because I've no doubt everyone wants to talk to her. So yeah, why not? I'll better bring Megan because I'm taking her to Valencia. That's it. I'll tell her. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you once again, Rachel. It's been awesome. Thank you so much.
And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. I want to add in here that make sure you go check out all of Rachel Midori's social media. And if you're listening after April 2021, check out Trauma Sauna for her podcast, which I'm sure is going to be a lot of fun. But obviously, when that comes out, I will be talking more about it in these little outro-y bits as well in the future. In addition, I want to say there that I do have a Patreon, and a lot of you guys may have heard about me talking about it over the last few weeks. Um, when I release part one and part two of Chats Now, I release both parts in one episode, unsplit or anything, on Patreon. So all of my patrons already heard part two of this chat, and whenever I release a part two of the chat, all the patrons get like a bonus show over there as well. So I have been releasing a mini show with Megan called Afterthoughts. We've been watching a wide variety of movies and things. And just for clarity, if you go to patreon.com slash chat, you will actually find there's some free ones up there already um witcher series one is up there for free and star wars the phantom menace is up there for free and i've also we've done the director's cut of the watchman film the queen's gambit series um we've also uploaded star wars attack of the clones and revenge of the sith we've done our spoiler free thoughts on one division we've also recorded how to lose a guy in 10 days uh, little miss sunshine spider-man one two and three um amazing spider-man uh, and obviously the other Star Wars films that they're coming out as well. There's a few other films that we're sort of going at the moment that we're watching or will be watching soon that we're going to be releasing. But go over there, check it out. Even if you're not willing to um, support the show, that's still completely fine. But you can still get about, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes or so of free content. So make sure you guys go check that out too. Coming up next week, um, I actually had a chat plan with um, Steve J. Ray and a guest, but the guest was a no-show, and so we may or may not be sorting that out again for the future. But what was great is that me and Steve just decided to record anyway, and we had a really, really fun conversation. I think it was about an hour long. I'll have to double-check how long it was, because I don't think I'm going to be splitting it in two. I think I'll just be releasing it in one. And yeah, it, it was loads and loads of fun. We just spoke about comics and Alan Moore and Batman and Star Wars, just lots of plenty of nerdy things, really. Uh, and then and the week after that will probably be the Snyder Cut Justice League special. I'm doing a collaboration with the guys in Comics in Motion, which obviously is where my Star Wars podcast airs, where I think it's going to be myself, potentially Steve J. Ray, Max Burner, Mandatory Marvel and DC, and then Chris and Dave of the TV and movie show, who also do VHS Strikes Back. They've been on the show a few times. I think the plan is the five of us are going to do like a roundtable discussion on what we all think of the Justice League, but the Snyder Cut. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be airing probably comics in motion as well as on here as well i'm not 100 percent sure on the day because i'm gonna have to edit it and i think we're gonna try and get out a bit earlier so next week will just be the standard one with steve j ray and then the week after that may or may not be an earlier episode i'm not 100 percent sure at this moment but i will confirm once i know after that i have also got a recording with a gentleman who is actually in one of the or two of the episodes of the mandalorian i won't go into any more detail here but that's quite an exciting thing i'm excited to speak with them uh, i've also got plans to speak with other stuff creators in sort of April, June sort of time or April, May, June sort of time as well. Two people are currently on the sort of spotlight for me at the moment. In addition to that, I've got some other people who create Star Wars content who are like content creators and stuff. I want to speak to them too. Uh, Not to do with Star Wars. I've got a few conversations that are planned for over the next few weeks or months and things. There's a lot of guest spots that I'm doing again. I've recorded a couple of those and some of them aren't airing till like June time either. So there's a lot of things in the pipeline and whatnot. The best way to keep up with me is on social media at genuine chit chat that's on instagram twitter and on facebook i try and post basically all of the guest spots i do on there as well as the episodes of styles comics and canon and also snippets for all of the episodes of genuine chit chat too and if you become a supporter on Patreon, I also release guest lists on there each month. So I confirm all of the guests that are booked in that I'm definitely going to be recording with, as well as a few of the people who I'm either looking to get on soon who have not been confirmed yet, or people who have confirmed but we haven't set a specific date. So there's lots of little bits and pieces sort of floating around that I've got my hands in, as well as, you know, my Star Wars podcast and also my Afterthoughts show that I do with Megan on Patreon and a few other bits and pieces as well. Plus, I'm going to be looking at launching another show on the Comics in Motion feed that's going to be like a monthly thing so lots of different things for you guys to if you want to keep hearing my voice even more than you already do there are plenty of avenues for you to be able to do that in the description I've also included links to the guest spots I've been doing as podcasts we listen to the 52 love podcast Frank Button's ragbag podcast the 20th century geek podcast there's loads you know I've, I've been on so many shows recently it's overwhelming when they all get released in like one or two weeks but it's a lot of fun to do all of them and I have recorded a couple recently too 
So really, the last thing to do, guys, is what I do right at the end here, because I know a lot of people aren't huge fans of Star Wars, is talk about my Star Wars podcast. If you enjoy Star Wars, even if you only watch the movies, you don't even have to have watched all of the movies. But if you've seen the movies and you want to hear a little bit more of Star Wars content uh, and you don't want to spend loads of money or any money on it, really, you can listen to Star Wars Comics in Canon. It's a show I do on the feed of Comics in Motion. And every Saturday, I release an episode where I tackle a comic or a character and give lots of information about them. But I've also been doing a book review every now and then as well. So I have just released released a full spoiler-free book review as an introduction to the High Republic era that is also a review of the book. I do not spoil anything, but I do my reviews in three tiers of how much detail I go into, so I give everyone listening fair warning of how much information I give about the books. So you could just listen to the first 15 minutes of me talking about it, and then I'll go, okay, next bit, I'm going to talk about the characters a bit more, and you can be like, don't want to know anymore, I'm going to go check out the book. So I've done a book review, I've done character bios, I've got a Q&A coming up over the next few weeks as well. So it's really just a good way for anyone, whether you've read every single Star Wars comic there is, or if you've never even touched or seen one, it's still a really good way to get you into it because I've also been uploading the episodes onto YouTube as well. There's just so much on there that I'm proud of because I try and describe the narrative of the comics. I also give some information about connecting characters and planets and those sort of things, other content and whatnot that all connects together, as well as also giving enough information so you don't have to read the comics, but giving the right amount of information so if you hear my show about it and then you decide you want to read the comic you still get a lot more out of it but there's so many different connections and things i give information about random characters that appear in the movies that appear in a comic for five seconds i then give information about them you know i've done ones about tarkin i've done a whole episode about count dooku there's bits about boba fett um qui-gon loads of different things so if you really want to check that out make sure you go do comics in motion uh, where my star wars show airs but i've also on the genuine chits chat youtube channel where i upload all of these episodes as well i have all also been putting them on there as well i think i'm from next week or the week after i will be completely up to date with all my star wars stuff on there so you can go check that out and i've been putting them into sort of organizers a little bit i've put one into the book reviews and then there's one for the mandalorian specials that we were doing and i'm slowly making youtube a bit more organized and things as well because i've seen a lot more people have been listening to me on youtube and etc so if you are listening on youtube thank you <laughs> uh, but yeah that, that's pretty much it i think for me guys otherwise this will be a massive ramble at the end but um make sure you go give rachel Midori plenty of love if this this is after April. Go check out her podcast, Trauma Sauna. And I just want to say thank you as always for listening, guys. It keeps the show going. Anyone who's been supporting me on Patreon, I love you very dearly. You mean the world to me and you make it even more worth doing it than it already was. So really appreciate everyone listening. If you want to support the show, but you don't want to fork out any money, which is completely understandable, please tell your friends, share on social media, give a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. There are plenty of ways you can do for free to support the show. I am also vaguely looking at merch over the coming months. <laughs> I think the same coming weeks is going to be a lot too optimistic. But I am thinking about getting merch and stuff sorted as well, which will probably be, I'll test the patrons first and then kind of go from there. But just so all of you guys know, that's on the cards as well. So I'm branching out into loads of different ways. So yeah, guys, thank you as always for supporting the show. I, it, I appreciate it just greatly. It, it means the world to me. And um, yeah, I guess I'll talk to all of you next week.